Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. And while you're being seated, you can grab a Bible, please, and going to take you to many places of Scripture today, uh, but I want you to put one finger in Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 18 to 20, and I want you to take another finger and put it in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 4, and if you don't have a Bible, you can put up your hand, and one of the ushers on either side would love to put a copy of God's Word into your hands, and if you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We'd love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. One finger in Matthew 28, and one finger in Romans 6, and we're going to go to a number of places today because of the nature of our subject, but those are two texts that I want you to have in front of you. Okay, we're going to jump right in. We're coming to the end, very close, of our very important series called The Church, Its Purpose and Why It Matters. There's two more sermons left in this series today. And next week, just by way of reminder, so far we've asked the questions, uh, what is the church? Very important question. We've asked the question, who belongs to the church? We've asked the question, who leads the church? We've asked the question, what about deacons in the church? We've asked the all-important question, what is the purpose of the church? And last week we asked the question, what is the Lord's Supper? And today we ask a very significant question. Here it is. What is baptism? What is baptism? I want you to listen on the screen to what John Piper said about the issue of baptism. John Piper said, baptism gets its meaning and its importance from the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in our place and for our sins. And from his triumph over death in the resurrection that guarantees our new and everlasting life. Baptism has meaning and importance only because the death and resurrection of Jesus are infinitely important for our rescue from the wrath of God and our everlasting joy in his glorious presence. We're not mainly talking about religious ritual here. We're not mainly talking about church tradition here. We are mainly talking about Jesus Christ and his magnificent work of salvation in dying for our sins and rising for our justification. And so right away, I want us as a church to understand that it would be a big mistake for us to think small thoughts about baptism. It would be a big mistake for us to think we could dismiss baptism. It would be a big mistake for us to think that we could just delay baptism or outright disobey the commands concerning baptism because as we'll see today, the biblical reality is this, that God in his wisdom has chosen Baptism 
to symbolize and to dramatize and to show and to illustrate the miraculous power of his death and resurrection in the lives of people who have passed from death into life through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so baptism, I want you to know, is God's idea. Baptism is not merely a ceremony or a ritual. Baptism instead is a profoundly significant act of obedience that isn't about us, but it is all about Jesus Christ and his work on the cross for us. So we're going to answer this question. We're going to ask, in fact, two questions. We're going to get started with this to help us understand baptism. If you're making notes, you can jot this down. First question is this. What is baptism? I want us to understand it as a church. I want you to have a good grasp on it. It's really important. The word baptism comes from a Greek word meaning to immerse or to submerge. So baptism, I want you to understand, in the Bible is always spoken of as a immersing or a submerging into water. More specifically, baptism is, I want you to understand, an outward sign. It's a visible symbol. It's a physical dramatization of an inward and spiritual and miraculous grace. Now, this is very important for us to be crystal clear about today, right at the outset, that the act of baptism does not in and of itself save anyone. In fact, the act of baptism cannot save anyone. Rather, baptism is the powerful physical act that's intended to portray in a very visible and meaningful way the spiritual miracle of salvation that occurs in where? In the heart. In the heart. And so baptism is a symbol. It's a picture to illustrate the miraculous reality of our salvation that occurs in the heart. So I just don't want us to make any mistakes here. How is someone saved? How does someone move from death to life? How does someone get delivered from the domain of darkness into the domain of the kingdom of God? Well, the Bible is clear on the screen. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. So I want us to be crystal clear about this. Does baptism save anyone? Answer me. No, salvation is a free gift of God's grace, and we receive it by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm trying to be clear about this because no matter how many times I try to emphasize this, someone will come to me in the lobby and they'll say, well, listen, Pastor, I, I love the message today. I, I want to get baptized so I can be saved. And I will say, no, you're not baptized so you can be saved. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And baptism then is the outward sign. It's the outward symbol of the internal reality of what's taken place in your life. And it is a very meaningful reality. So you cannot earn your salvation through baptism. You cannot. But you can receive the free gift of salvation by the grace of Jesus Christ through faith in Jesus Christ because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it is a free gift that you can receive even today if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ offers that gift today. So baptism is not salvific. It doesn't save, but it is symbolic and it is a sign of rich, robust, deep, practical, and profoundly theological meaning for the enrichment of our Christian lives today. And I want to show you a few things on the screen. What exactly then is baptism? I'm going to break this down for you from a few portions of scripture. Baptism is, firstly, I want you to understand, it's an ordinance of the Christian faith. Baptism is an ordinance of the Christian faith. Important for us to understand, again, that baptism is one of two ordinances of the Christian faith. What's an ordinance? Well, an ordinance is simply a command or a decree ordained and commanded by an authority to be practiced in an ongoing way. The first ordinance of the Christian faith is the Lord's Supper. And we talked about that last week. And the second ordinance of the Christian faith is baptism. And so the Bible teaches us that just as the Lord Jesus commanded and ordained the ongoing practice of the Lord's Supper in the same way, the Lord Jesus commanded and ordained the practice of baptism within the church in an ongoing way. Now, good Bible students in the room right now are saying, Jason, you haven't gone to the Bible yet. Where do you get that from? Well, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. You can look in your Bible. It's on the screen for you as well. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we find the place where Jesus ordains baptism by weaving it into the fabric of the Great Commission itself. I want you to notice the word of God. And Jesus came and said to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Notice it, baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gives the Great Commission, and he says, I need you to go and make disciples of all nations, and what you do when you present this gospel, what you do when you act as a witness of mine to my death and resurrection is you share this gospel, you testify to this gospel, and when the word of the gospel is received, you take those people who have received it and you baptize them so that everyone can see what, you've, what I've done in their hearts through baptism. Okay, so baptism is an ordinance of the Christian faith, and Jesus, listen, commands us to make disciples of every nation, and he commands us to baptize them, but why? Why? This brings us to our next thought. What exactly is baptism? Well, baptism is an ordinance of the Christian faith. Secondly, you can write this down, baptism is a symbol of salvation through water. 
a symbol of salvation through water, not salvation by water. Can we be saved by baptism? Tell me. A symbol of salvation through water. Now, in order for us to really understand the beauty and meaning of this for our lives, we need to see this unfolding theme in Scripture, that all throughout redemptive history, God is shown to be a redeemer. He is a deliverer. He is a savior. He brings salvation, and he redeems, and he delivers, and he saves all throughout history in a way that points to an ultimate supreme salvation, which, listen, is displayed, which is dramatized, which is shown, which is symbolized by baptism. For example, you'll remember shortly after the creation of the world, Things go terribly wrong in the world because sin enters the world in Genesis 3. And by the time we get to Genesis 6, the Bible tells us that the wickedness of humanity has advanced and covered the whole earth in a way that immensely grieves the heart of God. Now, right away in the book of Genesis, immediately we see the unfolding themes of Scripture, that there's a creation, there is a fall, and there is a redemption needed to deal and to judge sin. Now, how is God going to deal with this problem of sin that appears in Genesis 6? Well, his holiness and justice demand that he will judge the world, and he judges the world through what? through the waters of a worldwide flood. Do you remember Noah and the ark? And he makes a covenant with Noah, and he saves Noah. I want you to notice it on the screen. Genesis chapter 8, 1 to 3 says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. Noah and his family were saved through the waters of the flood and from the waters of God's judgment that overwhelmed the wickedness that had spread all over the world. Later in the book of Exodus, God delivers and saves his enslaved people from the oppression of the Egyptians through what? Through the waters of an uncrossable Red Sea. Exodus 14, 21 to 22 on the screen with the Egyptian army in hot pursuit of the Israelites says this, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. Moses and the people of Israel were saved through the waters of the Red Sea and from the waters of God's judgment that came crashing down upon the Egyptians. Forty years later, Joshua, Moses' successor, 
experiences something similar as he brings a new generation to the precipice of the land that God had promised them. And again, we see this reoccurring theme unfolding in Scripture on the screen for you. Joshua 3, 14 to 17 says, So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, that is the Jordan River, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very Far away, the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on what? Dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, that is the Jordan River. And all Israel was passing over on what? Dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Joshua and a new generation of Israelites were saved through the waters of the Jordan River and enter a new promised land. Again, through water. Are you seeing a theme here? Fast forward to the New Testament now. In Mark chapter 1, we find John the Baptist baptizing, guess where? In the Jordan River. Listen on the screen to how Tim Chester describes this. Tim Chester says, John the Baptist has been baptizing people, immersing them in water. We're told he was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Gentiles had not been part of the nation that had passed through the waters of the sea with Moses, nor through the waters of the river with Joshua. So they had to pass symbolically through the water to join God's people, a kind of accelerated catch-up. But now, John is baptizing Jews. These Jews recognize that, in effect, they are like Gentiles. They are wicked. They face God's judgment. They need forgiveness. They need to be reborn by the Spirit through water. They need to re-enter a renewed land. Jesus steps forward from the crowd. This is in Mark chapter 1. He is perfect, sinless, spotless, He doesn't need to repent. He doesn't need forgiveness. He doesn't need to be reborn. And yet he steps into the water, the water that symbolizes our sin and our judgment. Jesus steps into our mess, our wickedness, our judgment. He identifies with us. Jesus is symbolically engulfed by the waters of judgment. All those stories from the Old Testament were setting us up for this moment. In his baptism, Jesus identifies with his people and expresses his intent to take the judgment we deserve. This is absolutely profound. Because now when you consider baptism, when you and I, when you and I stand on the edge of the waters of baptism, just like Noah and just like Moses and just like Joshua, and because of Jesus, we pass through the waters of baptism symbolizing our salvation. Salvation not from a worldwide flood, 
Salvation not from an uncrossable Red Sea. Salvation not from the waters of the Jordan, but salvation from the judgment that my own sin deserves. And just like Noah, and just like Moses, and just like Joshua, we too pass unharmed through the waters because Jesus was immersed into our sin in our place. On the screen, Tim Chester goes on. In the Jordan River, Jesus was symbolically baptized into our sins. On the cross, he is actually and really baptized into our sins. He is immersed in our sin, completely covered. He dies and is buried. He bears our judgment in full. What is baptism? Baptism is more than just someone standing in the water to the applause of a church. Baptism symbolizes our great salvation through water. And it's more than a ritual. It's more than someone simply testifying who they used to be before they came to know Christ. Baptism is a profound and deeply theological symbol of our deliverance and our rescue from the bondage of sin and our salvation from the grip and the stronghold of Satan and our deliverance through and out from under the judgment of God because there is one who was judged in our place. What exactly is baptism? Baptism is an ordinance of the Christian faith. It's a symbol of salvation through water. Finally, this baptism is a picture of union with Christ, death to sin, and a new life. This is where you can go to Romans 6, but I'm going to have portions of it on the screen as we go along. I want you to notice first in Romans 6, on the screen, verse 3, I want you to notice first the picture of union with Christ. It's a picture. It's a portrait. It tells a story. Paul says in Romans 6, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, let's stop right here for a moment. In addition to baptism as a symbol of salvation, baptism is a picture of union with Jesus Christ. That Paul is communicating the inward reality that baptism is designed to illustrate the reality of being united to Christ, incorporated into Christ, immersed into Christ, as he says it, baptized into Christ. And one of the greatest and maybe most overlooked doctrines of the Christian faith is the doctrine of our union with Jesus Christ. Do you think about this from day to day? That upon your conversion, you have been united to Christ. That the Bible says Christ is in you 
and you are in Christ, that at conversion, he is in me, I am in him. This is the beautiful picture of our union with Christ that baptism illustrates and shows. It's a miracle that we're united to Christ. Look now at Romans 6, 3 to 4 on the screen for you. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, watch this, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So not only does baptism picture our union with Christ, a glorious reality for the Christian, but baptism pictures a kind of death that has happened to every true follower of Jesus Christ. Again, it's a visible picture of an inward reality. And the inward reality is this, that all who have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ are not only united to him, but we have died with him. There's a kind of death in coming to Christ. On the screen, Galatians 2.20 says, Paul says, I have been, what? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What happens in the waters of baptism is people say, Jason, the old Jason is dead. He's gone. The old man is gone. The life I now live now, I'm professing to the world. I'm telling the world, this life that I now live now, it's not my life, it's not my old life. It's a new life. It's Christ in me. I have been crucified with Christ. And now Christ lives through me. Do you understand the powerful story that baptism tells? Do you understand the beautiful picture and portrait that's presented for a watching world to see and understand? It's the inward reality that all have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus have died. It's the death of the old man. It's the death of the old motives. It's the death of the old priorities. It's the death of the old life of sin. And this is what baptism pictures. I want you to look now at Romans 6, verse 4, the second part of verse 4 on the screen. Paul goes on, I'll start from verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Watch this. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, beautiful, 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 we too might walk in newness of life. So not only does baptism picture our union with Christ Jesus and our identification with his death and burial, but baptism pictures our brand new life in Jesus Christ. We are raised. The the imagery of Romans 6 necessitates this picture. We go down into the water dead. We come up out of the water raised to a new life. When was the last time you rejoiced that you have been given a new life in Jesus Christ? When was the last time you came to church and you rejoiced? And this is what baptism does. It's not just a picture for those who don't know Christ, but it is a reminder of all of us who do know Jesus Christ. It reminds us of the glory of our union with him. 
It reminds us of the reality that we died with him. Old Jason is dead. It reminds us of our new life. That's why Jesus ordained baptism. It symbolizes salvation, but it paints a picture. And this is why baptism is not just important for the people getting baptized or unbelievers who are in the crowd, but this is why baptism is important for believers in the crowd. This is why this sermon is important for baptized believers in the crowd because you and I need to see baptism over and over and over again to remind us of what Christ has done in us so that we can lift our heads off of our circumstances so that we can find joy and encouragement in the midst of very discouraging days so that we can remember what Jesus Christ has done for us and in us. What is baptism? It's an ordinance of the Christian faith. It's a symbol of salvation through water and it's a picture of union with Christ, death to sin and a brand new life. Wow. Wow. Why is this important? It is important because this is everything. What Christ has done for us is everything to us. Maybe there's something else going on in your life and that has become everything to you. Maybe there's a promotion at work. Praise the Lord, thank God. But it's become everything for you. Maybe you're recently engaged to be married. Praise the Lord, thank God. But it's become everything to you. Maybe a couple in the church has found out that they're pregnant, about to have a baby, and, and praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But it's become everything to you. Maybe you look through the social media feeds and you see the, the darkness of what's happening in our world and that has become everything to you. Why is this sermon on baptism important for us today? Well, a few reasons. But one, it's because what baptism pictures is everything to us. It is everything. If you lose your job, Jesus Christ, it's everything to us. He'll get us through. If you're going through a hardship or a temptation or a struggle, Jesus will get us through. He's everything to us. If you get diagnosed with a sickness or an illness, that's hard. That's so hard. I understand. We grieve through that. But Jesus is everything to us. He'll carry us safely. If you face the prospect of death or the death of a loved one, I know that's hard. But Jesus is everything to us. We have safe passage into eternity as Christians. This is everything to us. And so why is this important? It's important because it's everything to us. So, we need to end maybe with the most important question of all. We've tried to define what is baptism. Here's the second question. Why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Loved ones, we sang a song earlier that said, I surrender all and I do believe and have been praying 
not knowing who will be here or the status of everybody's heart. But I came here to do my job, and that is to teach you what God's Word says. And now it's God's job to convict you and compel you of what you need to do in response. And it's your job to respond in obedience. So I've tried to lay out a theology of baptism. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. Why should I be baptized? A few things. Number one, I must be baptized because baptism is commanded. It is commanded. On the screen in Acts 22, verse 16, Ananias said to Paul, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Why do you wait? You need to do this. Why do you wait? What is your reason? Jesus died for you. Jesus secured your salvation. Why do you wait? Obey the command. Rise and be baptized. Too many of us have lived far too long ignoring this clear command or downplaying its significance and disobediently putting it off. Today, loved ones, I want you to hear the clear voice of God through the word of God and the themes of Scripture. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. Stand and show and symbolize the great salvation that has been given to you. Rise and be a visible, physical picture of your union with Jesus Christ and the death of the old man and the new life that you now live in Jesus Christ. Why should I be baptized? Because it is a command and I can stop right here and we will have sufficient truth to compel us. thinking about what I want to say right now. Because I want to love you truthfully. I want you to know my heart. Far too often in our Christian lives, we get very comfortable thinking that we can pick and choose when we want to obey God. And make no mistake about it, you can choose disobedience. But those who have been saved by the grace of God, those who understand what it cost him, those who understand what baptism means, are those that are compelled to obey. Let's be an obedient church in everything. Why should I be baptized? The baptism is commanded. Secondly, I must be baptized because Jesus sets the example. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus Christ was baptized. Not because he was a sinner but to set an example of perfect obedience and to symbolize and dramatize the judgment that he would absorb in the waters of baptism on the cross. 
so that because of the judgment that he absorbed, we can pass safely through the waters so that we can be saved by his grace and pass through the waters of baptism ourselves. Jesus passed through the waters of baptism so that we can pass safely through the waters of baptism. Jesus sets the example. Thirdly, the apostles taught baptism. On the screen, Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This was the pattern of the New Testament. Why would we do anything different? If, if, if on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches the gospel and says to the people who ask the question, what shall we do? How can we be saved? They were cut to the heart. Peter looks at them and he says, repent and be baptized. He doesn't put it off and say, let me just give them some time. Let me, you know, I, they're going to get nervous. I, I you know, I, I don't think they're ready to profess their faith. I better just wait on this. Let's just build some community with these 3,000 people first. Let's just get comfortable together. Let's build some relationship. And then I'll drop the hammer about baptism. No. They were cut to the heart by the gospel, and they said, what must we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized now. The apostles taught it. Baptism is commanded. Jesus sets the example. The apostles taught baptism. Finally, this, why should I be baptized? And here is my prayer for you is that your answer will be on the screen. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Why should I be baptized? Because I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I want to show you on the screen what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32. Jesus said, listen, so everyone who acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This passage of Scripture, these verses of Scripture are in the context of persecution. Jesus is telling his disciples not to fear. He's telling them not to be ashamed. Matthew 10. He's telling them in verse 28 of Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And here's what I want to say to you, loved ones. If Jesus expects us to stand and confess him before those who want to kill us, how much more does he call us to stand amongst those who want to rejoice with us and acknowledge Jesus and confess Jesus? And I'll say one more thing because the days we're living in are difficult and I don't know what the future holds. I know that those who seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The words of the Apostle Paul, here's what I know. If we cannot stand amongst family and friends to profess Jesus, we will not 
stand amongst enemies who want to hate us and kill us. Why do I say this? I say this because I love you. And I'm doing my job. I'm teaching you the word. It's not my job to make you obey. It's my job to bring you the word. And some of you are sitting here right now and you have yet to be baptized. It's not a time to feel guilty. It's not a time to feel overwhelmed. Some of you feel very nervous. I understand that. Some of you are very fearful about making professions of faith in public. I understand that. You're talking to a guy who really understands that. When I was in elementary school and we had to do speeches, I used to get up there and when I say I used to tremble, you don't know what trembling is. I would hyperventilate. I feared standing in front of people. I would shake. The paper in front of me would shake. How am I doing this right now? I don't even know. But I understand. But did Jesus save you? Did he die for you? Was he publicly shamed and humiliated for you? Oh, loved ones. Jesus calls us to not private professions of faith. He calls us to public professions of faith. In the context of the church through baptism. And out there in a hostile world, you say, how do I do that? I don't know if I could ever do that. Let me just give you a tip. You can't do that, but Christ in you can do it well. Christ in you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come right now, and I'm going to call you to make a decision right now. So I want you to think very carefully. I don't want you to get distracted right now. I want you to concentrate. I believe this can be maybe one of the most powerful moments of some people's lives in this church. We're going to call you to obedience. Because everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. It is time for some of you to be baptized. It is time for some of you to step out on the edge of the waters of baptism. It is time for some of you to symbolize your salvation in the waters of baptism. It's time for some of you to picture your union with Christ, your death to sin, and your new life in Him. For some of us in this room, today is the day of decision. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.